Welcome back to a new episode of the Shups and Preds podcast. We're coming to you three strong this week with myself, Matt, and Tyler. Uh, Peter, unfortunately, is attending to some fraternity business, and he's a very, very busy man. But don't you worry. We still got a lot of great CFL content coming your way. We're going to be reviewing week seven, previewing slash reviewing week eight. Uh, We're recording after the Hamilton uh, slot fest against Ottawa. So, boys, how are we doing? Doing pretty well. Doing great. Saskatchewan's back back in the win column. Feels good. Not playing Winnipeg also feels good. 36 36 hours. hours. (laughs) A good one. We are recording on a Thursday. It's for you who may want to get that reference. Um, So... We're diving right into it. We got a lot to get to. As usual, starting off with our Week 7 review, we're then going to head into Week 8 predictions uh, after we do a brief overview of the Hamilton-Toronto game. We'll talk fantasy. We'll talk league leaders. Might have a chance to get to reader feedback or listener feedback at the end of the pod, but I'm not sure if we'll be able to squeeze that in. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll try. Sure. You know, We try to do what we can Honestly, for our, 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 our ardent um, so, fans. So... Let's get to it um, with a review of the Hamilton-Calgary Week 7 game coming to us courtesy of known Dave Dickinson hater, Tyler Press. Hate, 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 hate. Keep it under control. What do you got for us, T-Press? <laughs> I'll, I'll try to rein it in. Uh, Hamilton's been playing in a lot of slop fests lately. Uh, in the first half of the True. Calgary-Hamilton game was no different. Uh, except the slop was mostly on the part of the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, the score going at a half was 6-3, but the, ha- the highlights of the half consisted of, of Richard Leonard taking a punt to the face, uh, Hamilton recovering and scoring a field goal, and then Marky Vambles replacing Richard Leonard and taking a punt to the face and also leading to a Hamilton field goal. So Hamilton's two scores of the half were because Calgary punt returners took footballs to the face. Not a good look. Uh, beginning the second half, Hamilton continued its its kicking fest, uh, went up nine to three, and then uh, Bo Levi had his best drive of the game, uh, including a seventy four yard pass to uh, I don't know is is this our uh, is this our who the hell are you of the week, Luther uh, Hakuna Matata? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think he might he be, be our. Uh, he played he played an tennis. instrumental part of this game uh, right at, almost almost immediately after this. Uh, uh, 74-yard pass down at the one. Jake Meyer was brought in. Uh, he was also be brought in a second time. He was brought in for the first time for for the QB sneak for the touchdown. Uh, and uh, yeah, then things started to unravel. So Hamilton, uh, excuse me, Calgary was up 10-9 at this point. Um, they got the ball back after after Hamilton punted and Bo Levi uh, immediately th- almost throwing from his own end zone. Uh, targeted Hakuna Matata one more time, except he went through his b- bounced off his hands right into Simone Lawrence, who returned it for the touchdown. And Hamilton never looked back at that point. Uh, two more field goals in the fourth uh, brought them up to a 23 to 10 lead. Uh, Bo Levi was benched uh, at the end of the game. Jake Meyer was brought in, uh, had a very efficient drive uh, in which he threw a touchdown and brought made the game respectable towards the end. But uh, overall, sloppy game. Uh, David Watford started for Hamilton. Uh, Efficiency? Not, not, nothing. He completed a lot of short passes, 19 to 22 okay. for 150 yards. But he was efficient and, uh, you know, got the job done. Um, 
Got a few things. Got a few things to say. Uh, updates. Kamar Jordan did not play in the second half uh, with an injury. Um, do we have an update on status on him? Uh, I do not. With Calgary having the bye this week, I haven't seen an injury report from them. Yeah, keeping that one close to the chest. I have not. I have not seen. Yeah. Two two things of note in the in the in the press conferences following the game. Uh, Dave Dickinson and I'm going to give you some quotes from Dave Dickinson. Uh, we good. didn't look like we were ready to play. I wish I knew. I have to elevate my play calling, folks. Uh, we're halfway through the season. <laughs> We've been saying this. We're I know, but I want. Yeah. Dave, we're, Dave, we're halfway through the season. If if you if you if you don't have the guys ready to play at this point, I don't I don't know what the disconnect is here. He he clearly knows that he's not doing a very good job. So let's. Can we also talk about Bo for a second? Also, yeah. Bo was asked how he felt about being pulled. Not happy, very visibly not happy, which is good. You want your you don't want yeah. your starting quarterback to be happy to be pulled, but uh, there could be some growing dissent uh, in the locker room. Uh, you don't know who I, I don't know who the leader in that locker room is right now. It's a team that's really struggling, and uh, uh, yeah. So I would like to give the listeners a peek behind the curtain. Tyler and I have been going back and forth quite often on the. Uh, who should be the quarterback of the Calgary Stampeders, Bo Levi Mitchell, uh, Jake Mayer. Uh, I totally admit that Jake Mayer is having the better season so far. I don't disagree with that. My point is, is that I'm going to do a quick read-off. Two-time Grey Cup champion, <laughs> two-time Grey Cup MVP, two-time CFL passing leader, two-time CFL MOP, he has the CFL record for most consecutive wins by a starter, CFL record for best starting record, and CFL record for fastest starting QB to 60 wins. Bo Levi Mitchell's lifetime CFL stats is 77-18-2. The idea that you should purely grade these quarterbacks on how they're doing this year and that Bo Levi Mitchell gets no goodwill for how he's, beha- or how he's performed in his CFL career I think is preposterous, and nobody I, operates. I, I don't, like I don't, but I don't think that's what's happening. That I mean, is it's, it's, no. I, I I think it's obvious that to go sixteen for twenty eight with is, an interception. But he's is, coming off, he's coming off a broken what, leg. What was he's his stat? What was his stat line? The week well, so, but yeah, but John, you're talking about whether Bo Levi should be the starter, and we're not saying that it's not because he had a year off, and it's not you know because he has a broken leg. I, I think that I think the it, seat it, is both hot. of those both I just of those think things it's reasonable to give him some time to figure this out. I know it's a shortened season, so the leash is short, but I just don't I don't agree with the idea that Jake Mayer is automatically the option, and Bo Levi should be pulled without a little bit more time to figure this out, especially with an injury interrupted season. That's my opinion. I. Yeah, I mean, I think that's. I, I think if you were building towards a, like Tyler mentioned, a uh, locker room leader type argument for Bo Levi, I think that'd be stronger. Yeah. But yeah. it's clear that Jake Mayer has a little bit more pop. He's obviously healthier. He didn't like just break his fibula or whatever. <laughs> he, this um, is true. <laughs> and, no, this is true. I agree and it, with it. So I don't think it's as. I don't think that Bo has the support of the team enough to warrant 
like him being under center as a floor general. You know, he's no, uh, his performance has to be questioned, and clearly with yeah. Dickinson replacing him, it is in question. I, I do think that... I was just getting fired up with this idea that he gets no. He obviously gets a longer leash for the career he's had. I think one of the things that I think you missed in my text was just, I, I think Dickinson, I mean, he also, even in their win against Calgary, he, he, 23 of 42, like clearly like a, a little bit erratic, right? Like the defense won that game for, for Calgary. Fine. Dickinson's in practice. He, there's no way that Bo is compl- is just like on the money in practice and just showing up to the games <laughs> throwing 50%. I just don't, I just don't believe that. So, and then Mayer, you know, how many, that was that two, two different games that Mayer's had a perfect half? This is true. Yeah. No, and I, I will grant you that. But my point is that Bo Levi, at this time of his career, having established the type of player he is, like I said, he's only ever lost 18 games as a starter in the CFL. I feel like granting him some leeway, and yeah, he is performing worse than Jake Mayer. That doesn't mean Jake Mayer should be the starter. Do you think he, you do, given the way that Mayer was playing? Yes. Do you think Bo should have been given an extra three, maybe four weeks, considering that Mayer's game was good enough? And at the time when they were losing those games, I think yeah, that's an interesting question. I, I yeah, I don't know. I think it is surprising that it seems that Mitchell was rushed back from injury, uh, considering Mayer was not the cause of. Uh, Calgary's ills and yeah. losses during his time, um, but I, I and I think the seat is hot. I honestly think Bo's got one more game. Conspiracy theory? Not conspiracy. Can I advance a theory here? Yes. All right. So the theory being that the reason Bo Levi Mitchell is back so soon from a broken leg is because Bo Levi Mitchell wants to be back. Yes, and I not agree. because I agree with he that. was rushed. So I think that probably I agree with that. makes more sense why yeah. Dave Dickinson would bench him because he's saying, Coach, I'm ready. Coach, I'm ready. Put me in. And he doesn't perform. And so it makes it easier for Dave Dickinson to pull him and put a uh, QB who has performed in. Yeah, uh, I, I just wish that Dickinson, if you were, you know, had control of this team, would have the have the clout or the of the of the, of the of the pull to at least say, "Hey, I don't think you're ready." The trainers are telling me, you know, you're not fully healed. Well, but I think that's the leash that but, John well, talks dude, that's about. That's what I'm. That's, but yeah. I, I think the leash gets him in. But yeah. I think at this point, he's just really. It'll be interesting. He's though. in the he's in the fifty percentage points. It's going to be interesting. Two games they in don't row. play again until October second, so. They have a pretty dang long break to figure things out. So I, the story of this game, though, is definitely the Bo Levi situation. Um, arguably the best quarterback in the last decade in the CFL. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how they figure that out. Yeah, I don't see long this. Break. I just don't see this season. This season straightening out for for Calgary, or just the way it sits. I, I don't. I don't. With especially, yeah, you know, we yeah. don't know. We don't know how long Kamar Jordan is going to be out, or what you know, if that's going to be lingering. And also, is there going to be any rush to get him back at, at two and five? But the, the thing is, though, at two and five, they're still well in it in terms of the uh, crossover and even just getting third in the West, depending on how uh, things go. Let's move on. Do you have, or does anybody have anything to say? No, I think that's the game we'll talk about the most because it has the most outside the outside the field storylines going on. Yeah, week nine, the Saskatchewan at Calgary will be an interesting one. 
So, next game of the week, seven, was uh, Toronto at Saskatchewan. Toronto fell, score of 30-16. to 16. Story of the game for me was William Powell pounding that damn ball. 21 carries, 122 yards. Bested his uh, season best by 33 yards in this game. It was awesome. After two weeks of Cody Fajardo getting hit really hard, they took some pressure off him. Now, he still ran the ball for 58 yards. So, Fajardo, no matter... The riders could put him in a bubble boy outfit, and he'd still figure out a way to get hit as hard as possible. Um, <laughs> There's some... Like, it is, what it is happened astounding. to Matt Nichols last night. Like, <laughs> oh, Matt, Matt Nichols, we will talk about this. Um, but emergence for Saskatchewan, the emergence of Keon Schaefer-Baker, who had nine receptions for 99 yards and a major. After two weeks of kind of getting bullied by the Blue Bombers, the Scatch defense bounced back, forcing three turnovers. Um, For Toronto, it was kind of the same old story. Solid, well-rounded production from the receivers. They had three guys over 60 yards, Rogers, Daniels, and Collins Jr., um, here's something interesting. The quarterback play in this was eerily similar. Fajardo was 21 of 31 for two touchdowns and an interception. Arbuckle was 22 of 33 for two touchdowns and an interception. Now, they differ greatly in yards. Fajardo only had 212 yards, while Arbuckle had 309. Uh, but I think that can be credited largely to the fact that uh, Saskatchewan was moving the ball so well on the ground. Um, so, story of this game for me, it was a bounce back, and it shows that it probably says the most about Winnipeg, to be honest. Um, Sketch looked good. They controlled the game from start to finish. Mistakes here and there, but overall, this was the Sketch we saw before their two meetings with Winnipeg. Looked like they got their feet back under them. Um, big meeting this week against BC. It's going to be exciting kind of to fight out to see who has hold over that second-best uh, second team in the West claim. Uh, but as far as this game goes, Toronto versus Sketch, any takeaways from you guys? Magic of Mosaic? Uh, no, uh, to your point. <laughs> oh, yeah, mention Mosaic for Peter's sake. Yeah, Magic of Mosaic. Um, the, I think the thing that worries me as a Saskatchewan fan is that Cody's got an interception in him nearly every game. I think he might have. I, I did have to check it, but I think he's thrown an interception basically in every game. Um, so he's just not as sharp. Maybe it's the hits. Maybe it's just the rust of the you know taking having a year off. But um, he has mistakes in him. I, it is good to see Keon Schaefer Baker sort of taking that um, the Shaq uh, the Shaq Evans role that we've been yeah, desperately yeah. needing to fill. Uh, so hopefully he keeps it up. Uh, because I think the problem against Winnipeg was the inability to stretch with the receiver downfield. So if Schaefer Baker can get some chemistry with with Fajardo, that could be could be huge. Yeah, so I will say, say uh, Toronto the, the, also a bad road team. Toronto is a bad road team, a good home team. It has to be said. Two well, things. Just just did a quick without saying. <laughs> just did a quick <laughs> research and the interceptions to get, you know, per game. Um, Cody is is by no means an outlier. So I think looks like Zach Kalaros and Vernon Adams are the only ones who aren't at or above one interception per game played. Yeah, that's because um, that's because Vernon Adams throws the ball like 
Yeah, we're we're about to get into that. But yeah, Vernon Adams <laughs> well, to, to, not to just, be looked just at. A, yes, just <laughs> interesting. Just saying. So, so, Bo Levi, uh, Nick Arbuckle, Trevor Harris. Um, let's see, let's see, Michael Riley. Michael Riley's doing really well. By the way. Yeah, he's on. He's on fire. He's on fire. We've um, no yeah, I mean, I, I think definitely uh, the Toronto defense is is not. Um, They're banged up. But yeah, it's, it's just not quite there even compared to a really, really strong Winnipeg defense. Um, and when Cody has time, he's he's a, he's a top-flight QB in this league, and it definitely just speaks to the ability of uh, Winnipeg to get to him, but also to a team, and we'll get to it coming up in BC, if you can get to Cody, the wheels kind of come off. But if he's protected, has time to do what he needs to do, has time to throw, has time to scramble, when he's getting production out of William Powell, um, sounds like Tom Brady. They're, they're, then they're really rolling. Um, so it'll be interesting, uh, just as they continue on this season, yeah. uh, when they face teams with a stronger D, you know how they react. So the first che- the first test will be this upcoming week. But this was I, just a really nice game for them. I think, and then and then I agree with everything said. Going for going forward on the opposite side for the Argos, injuries are becoming a big issue. Uh, Cameron Judge, Enoch Mwamba, both on the six-game injured list after this one. I thought Cameron Judge tore his Achilles, games. to be honest. Yeah. Looks like it's just an ankle injury that he may be back from this year, so that's really good because that injury looked concerning. Um, but, yeah, T-Press hit it on the head. Toronto is not a good road team. Uh, I don't know what it is, whether... It just so happens to be the matchup on that day, or if it is, in fact, they're just having a tough time getting themselves in the right mindset on the road. Uh, but, uh, you know, Chris Jones is back in the CFL, so let's see what he can do with that Toronto defense. Uh, any fit parting shots on this game? No, I think uh, I think Toronto is at an inflection point in their season. So I think the next game for them is, is this game against Montreal yeah. will tell me exactly where they're headed with the rest of the season. With, true. with Peter out, I'm doing a little bit of double duty on the reviews. So oh, next so game kind. we have... What'd you say? You're so kind. Ah, thank you. I, <laughs> I, I do it all for the fans. Uh, BC 27 at Montreal, who scored 18. Uh, BC keeps rolling. Mike Riley, surgical. 21 of 25 for 308 yards and two touchdowns. His longest toss of the evening, a 75-yard bomb to his favorite target and MOP Dark Horse, Lucky Whitehead. They're talking had, about it. He had six receptions on six targets for 133 yards in a major. Uh, yeah, Lucky Whitehead. He, I would. He is the dark horse for MOP right now if he keeps this up. He is surprising speed. That's what I the last it, week on his yeah. um, his. Uh, kick return i was like holy crap this guy can fly Dude, i mean like he was just untouchable. is he the new speedy b yes i i think that's i i just didn't know his speed and i think he wasn't so i, in I don't his, think he had an opportunity his as much previously with lucky whitehead maybe for sure at this point the most improved player in his rookie season in 2019 with winnipeg he played 15 games he had 52 receptions for uh, 521 yards. This year, in six games, 30 receptions for 554 yards. So he's already eclipsed his entire total 
of his rookie year in Winnipeg. He is making plays left and right, in my opinion, uh, probably the most exciting player on the field right now. For the Owls in this game, the good. William Stanback, 18 carries for 139 yards, 7.7 yards a carry. He is a monster. The bad slash sad and disappointing, uh, (laughs) Vernon Adams, 16 of 36. Don't grab your calculator. I did the math for you. That's 44.4%. 270 yards, two interceptions. Now, that is bad, and it's part of a string of games for Adams where he's failed to eclipse or barely eclipsed 50% completion percentage. Um, It's troubling. It's tough. I know that Montreal signed former uh, Ole Miss and Michigan quarterback Shea Patterson this week. Um, I think VA's really got to step things up. That, ter- that Toronto, that Toronto Owls game has implication, big. Oh, implication. absolutely. Uh, let me shout out though the BC defense, second in passing D, first in rushing D. Rookie Jordan Williams, fourth in the CFL with 41 tackles. His linebacking partner Bo Lacumbo leading the CFL with three interceptions. Grabbed another one against Montreal for his second straight game with an interception. This BCD is for real. They are fast. They are strong. I am so excited to see them go up against Fajardo. Uh, I don't really think week one gave us a true representation of how exciting this matchup can be with that kind of tale of two halves. I think it's going to be. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, guys, what do you think about this this matchup BC at Montreal from Week Seven? I think it's a uh, it kind of backs up what we just talked about with the the Sketch game. Is BC uh, can get to quarterbacks, and yep. and when they do, um, they can cause some trouble, and they can and it just seems like Vernon Adams is really really uh, subject to. Um, getting out of sorts. He's doesn't he scrambles well. Obviously, he's a mobile guy, um, but he like some other quarterbacks. I think uh, Michael Riley is really good at this. Um, mm-hmm. Bo Levi uh, used to be, you know, in, in previous seasons was really good at this. Is is throwing from scramble? Vernon Adams out of the pocket, Dude, throwing which he's always can't, out of the... <sighs> can't do it. He just it's just it's so bad. Out and of for the somebody pocket. who ser- he seeks out that scenario so often, the interception in the end zone was brutal. No, Matt, that's a great point because especially for somebody who seeks out getting outside the pocket, extending the play, he's got no accuracy from there. No, the only game this year is that game against Ottawa, where against it was against Ottawa. I think is probably all you need to know, where he really was throwing well on the run, seeing his receivers downfield. Yeah, he, that is just the that is so true for somebody who cert, looks to scramble. He cannot throw outside the box. It seems. Yeah, so that that's a struggle, um, and they're gonna you know against teams that might not have a great um, uh, rush or yeah rush defense. Um, obviously, the Ottawa, um, Toronto, uh, he's gonna do well. Yeah. But when teams can get to him, he can't. He, he throws forty-four percent with no TDs and two interceptions. That's that's just what what's going to happen. He missed some very easy throws. I, there, I don't remember the play when it was, but it was down at the goal, and they, the wide receiver just coming over the middle, wide open. It's going to be a major. Just put it, you know, don't even have to throw it very well, and just missed him. And the receiver just 
kind of got pissed off. Yeah, this is, uh, I think Tyler already hit on it this week against Toronto. That's make, make or break time for uh, big play VA. I think he's really got to start uh, putting in a good effort. I think he's going to be fortunate Toronto's dealing with so many injuries. So he has an opportunity. Um, and I think if I was Montreal, I'd be leaning pretty heavily on the absolute beast that is William Standback. Uh, to help him out there. At, but they did that here. I mean, William Standback, they give him 18 carries. He's a beast. Also, get this man in the end zone. Help him out. Help him out. Yeah, <laughs> please, for my fantasy team, please get him in the end zone. Um, Matt, you've got our end-of-the-week game, um, Winnipeg at Edmonton. Tell us how young Taylor Cornelius did in his first CFL action. Well, we thought this might be a tough one for Edmonton. Uh, Taylor Cornelius making his first start in place of the injured Trevor Harris. And it definitely looked that way. Uh, at the end of the first, uh, Bombers <laughs> leading 14 nothing. Edmonton, uh, 44 total yards in that first quarter. Uh, and went two and out on their first two possessions. They were able to get a first down on that third uh, possession leading into the, uh, the second quarter. Um, so... Ultimately, kind of a modest start for for Cornelius. Uh, Edmonton was kind of buoyed by, obviously, James Wilder Jr. He had, uh, let's see how many yards was he had. He was 71 yards, which isn't huge, but was able to find the end zone finally. Hard-running touchdowns. Like, really great. Uh, yeah. Found the end zone twice. Um, so, yeah, modest start for Cornelius. Uh, and you really just got to worry about the Elks. Um, without a strong presence like Trevor Harris under center. So um, how he did in his first start, 19 for 33, 243 yards, three interceptions. Uh, it's just it's just really not going to cut it. And those interceptions and then also a, uh, a fumble that Cornelius lost um, sealed the game for uh, – um, for the Elks, the Bombers actually were behind, which is was really surprising. Um, in the third quarter, they were losing uh, 19 to 15. Uh, but then a forced fumble, uh, Willie Jefferson forced fumble to Adam Big Hill picked up, took it to the end zone, and then a pick six later from Cornelius sealed the game. So I don't think the final score, which was 37 to 22, really tells the the story of this game. Which is it was closer than. I think we predicted, and then a really, really strong Winnipeg defense saved the the offense, which wasn't bad, but it was the same kind of very pedestrian. Lack of explosiveness is how I would yeah, characterize so, the Winnipeg absolutely, defense. Yeah, so, the exactly. Winnipeg offense. so Zach Kalaris, 19 for 24, so a great completion percentage, but um, only 252 yards. Andrew Harris got the ball a ton, wasn't able to find the end zone, but relied on Nick Dembski and Sean McGuire. So, uh, I mean, I think they, yeah, so 120-some-odd yards. So, who, uh, is, uh, who was the Elks' leading receiver? Uh, Mike leading Jones. Re- was Mike Jones, yeah. Who? But <laughs> <laughs> don't have Peter here to make Yeah, we don't have Peter here so. to fall for that. Yeah, I would say this is basically what we expected to happen, um, yeah. except – James Wilder really showed out in a way that we didn't expect him to. Best running back in the CFL. Um, so I, I'm surprised at how he was able to overcome what's a really strong uh, Winnipeg rush defense. Um, but 
I think unsurprising the ultimate result that uh, a new quarterback against the best defense yeah. in the league, um, three interceptions and lost a fumble that ultimately you know sealed the deal for for the poor Edmonton Elks and horrible. Uh, it, it, they've but, got you know a, a yeah. week off coming up, um, which will be really nice. They'll be able to kind of not quite retool, but you know prepare, and then their next. How long is Harris projected to be out for? Six uh, weeks. So it, they're they're he's Cornelius is the guy is, going is, forward. Is this Ottawa game? Is this? Am I, I might be rethinking this pick. I'm not rethinking it. Let me. I no, in no, commentary God, almighty, with this no. Winnipeg game. I this is I saw Dave Campbell, who's an Elks um, reporter from Edmonton. They spotted Winnipeg 14 points and then basically played them even over three quarters. Correct. That's. They got beat, and yeah, the Winnipeg defense dominated. But there are there is a silver lining to be found for the Elks. Specifically, I think that while he did in fact make a bunch of mistakes, Cornelius was willing to make those mistakes. And he wasn't hesitant. He was throwing into tight pockets. Now, <laughs> not advised <laughs> some of the time. But I think, that's, I think that if you can get him to see the game... If he starts to game to slow down for him, he certainly doesn't have any issue pulling the trigger, which I think is good. Um, the wor- the my take, the worst thing is, dude, uh, Darrell Walker. He was targeted nine times and had two receptions for thirty-four yards plus a fumble. Oh my goodness! This Elks receiving core, which I still, as I'm looking at the stats, I'm so excited about. They have just been so underwhelming this year. It just it seems at times like Greg Ellingson was only targeted four times this week. That is the that is, you know, the same amount of times as it's not a winning formula. Same amount of times as uh, Tavon Smith, Jalen Tolliver, and respect to those guys. But Greg Ellingson is supposed to be wide receiver one or two, depending on the day with Darrell Walker. Um, so I'm disappointed in that, and that is continuing to be, for me, the worst part of the Elk season so far is the underperformance of the receiving core. Um, but Winnipeg's the best team in the CFL. I think we can agree yeah. on that. I, I'm, I'm not totally down on this performance by the Elks. That's, what I'll, that's my takeaway. No, I, think that, I think that makes sense. Yeah, neither am I. So T-press, I don't have any parting shots or can we move to a quick review of uh, Hamilton at Ottawa before we get on to discussing? Well, I think let's let's since we're looping that into week nine, let's just move on to the Preds. No. Well, yeah. Well, we're going to talk about but we're going to talk about Hamilton, Ottawa first. OK. OK. We've already predated it for those who follow us on Twitter. <laughs> um, everybody else picked or everybody in the group picked the Hamilton uh, Tiger Cats to get the job done in Ottawa. Uh, they went ahead and did that in a rainy, mucky, awful night. Uh, it was somewhat of a slop fest, um, but in the end, you know, I mean, for Ottawa, it was probably the least energetic performance I've seen put forth by a CFL team this year. Uh, it was unfortunate. Everybody outside of Devontae, Deadman, and a few players on the uh, Red Blacks defense really didn't put much of an effort out. Um, uh, it was a lot of drop passes on both sides, a lot of running the ball from 
the Ticats. Um, guys, any any distinct takeaways from this game? Tiger Cats are a deceptive four and three. You don't think they're that good? No, I think the the four the four and three is is misleading. I think they've. I think their defense is pretty good. I think their defense is pretty good, but I mean Calgary to me lost lost that game. You know that's more, that game was more of a reflection of, of where Calgary's at, not where yes. Hamilton's at. And beating Ottawa, I'm just is not a. It's, it's, <laughs> I I think the Ticats' defense is pretty good, and I think they're doing the best they can currently with their quarterback situation. Certainly, I think David Watford's playing well, um, as can be uh, expected, um, and they've modified the offense to suit him best. But yeah, uh, I mean, grading them against 2019, what a what a what a 180 in terms of explosiveness on offense for the Ticats. Their best win, I guess, would, would, would be a question. Like, like the, the win at home against the Argos, I guess. The win against uh, the Alouettes is not looking all that impressive. No, I would probably say their win against Cal. Well, I don't know. That's a great, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think any of them are overly impressive at this point. Yeah. I, I'm My takeaway is I, I'm shocked that Ottawa can, like, sink lower. <laughs> Like they're just, uh, they're so bad. And one thing about Hamilton that we shouldn't overlook is that they are missing uh, Brandon Banks, who was having a, a bad year, but he, he obviously was their number one target in 2019, and Braylon Addison. Absolutely. So, I mean, the, the, and they are a team that's built for the air. Yeah. And to not have your number, well, to have your number one target just really underperforming, just not coming back strong, and then getting injured. And then having your number two target, who really was wide receiver one in a lot of those games, in Braylon Addison not even be available, like you're obviously going to struggle. But yeah, yeah my They're struggling and they're still in first place in the East, which is... I, it was, and now how, how heartbreaking was it for me for Matt Nichols comes back in, gets a shot. He Now, to be fair, in a rainy night, and I know he was playing kind of in slot minutes, but it was still a close game when Nichols comes in. He did go 7 of 10 for 68 yards. And then, you know what? Fuck it. He, he was one of the only guys I saw for Ottawa on the offensive side of the ball. To actually, I to actually give it a freaking go. Yeah, but, he wanted to play. But man, dude, you cannot be diving head first into a tackle. Matt Nichols, come on, man! Like that was when I saw when I saw him get a little space. He had the first down, and then he decides to lower the boom. He got <laughs> spiked on top of his head. The defender yeah. rammed his helmet right into Nichols. Luckily, his non-throwing hand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, that was just pouring salt in the wound. That sucked. Shouts Nate Bahar. He's another Ottawa player who gave it a go. Thrust in at quarterback. Completed a pass for a receiver. Pretty impressive. You know, I, I there was just a lack of enthusiasm. I- on the red black side that was tough to watch we knew it was going to be to matt's point we knew this was not going to be their season but this is dude but i've been shouting them out week in and week out because when i watch the listen games, i printed them giving it a, like yeah listen i i have i've you've picked up i've i have printed them i have fallen under their spell like yeah. it's it, at this point they are gonna need to let go of marcel Dude, um, this team is—he he just—they they do not have a—they're a—it's a poorly constituted team. Yes, they do not. Th- and and to think that 
teams are going out right now, and um, and obviously they uh, uh, picked him up. But at the beginning of the season, Kenny Stafford was available. Uh, Manny Arsenault is still available. Uh, who else has got picked up recently? Neman um, Roosevelt was Neman Roosevelt was available. Like these, there are. It's not like all the good <laughs> receivers. No, were Ryan Langford, um, who's uh, I guess he's retired now, but he was available. Also, so, like, here's my thing with I yeah. want to shout out our boy Devontae Dedman, who in my opinion is the number one trade target in the CFL right now. What did he have? Punt returns six for 95 yards, including a long of 63 on that touchdown. But here's my thing. Devontae Dedman, I would say, is clearly an exciting electric player. He, They have not even tried to work him into the offense. He had one carry, and he had, no rece- or he had one reception, and he was only targeted once. So outside of punt returns, they tried to get him the ball two times. Devontae and, he got Dedman, 14, and he got 14 yards in the reception. Dude, that just doesn't, like, that is what I'm talking about when I'm saying uninspired. You've got a guy out here in Deadman who, am I, like, he is clearly the most game-breaking player on their roster at this time. And they're not trying to figure out any way to get him the ball more often. You look I at wonder... other teams, like, at least shouts to Hamilton, they've tried to work in rushing the ball Tim White. They've tried to work in Dunbar. All their players trying to get them figure out creative ways to get their playmakers the ball. I Ottawa's how not much done that. They even gave these. three rushing attempts to Poppy White, which has no, got got to be one of the best because names. He could be explosive. So how do we get the ball right into his hands? And Ottawa's just done none of that. It's yeah. ridiculous. Uh, so uh, what I was going to say, I, I wonder how much of this is Paul LaPolice just trying to outlive Marcel Desjardins <laughs> and just like not trying to show his ass too much and get like make some you know <laughs> make some like Hail Mary type thing where Devontae Dedman is now the running back and he gets twenty carries in a game. Yeah. And, you know, makes La Police look like an idiot when at this point he's playing the team that That's he was question. given and it's obviously not working. So the this one goes right up the the, the chain. You know, I mean I quite certain in this that Marcel is the only GM in the history of the Ottawa Red Blacks. So, I mean, <laughs> are they willing to let him go? But are they, is it like he's ingrained in that culture. That's going to be a tough decision, but he, he has not put a winning team on the field at all. And it is staggering how much far be, how much further behind the, the next worst team they are. Like yeah, Edmonton, if, if, who I would say is the eighth best. Team. That win against Edmonton is insane. That's the nuttiest. No, thing how they? I don't. We don't. We, remember, we're not talking about that. <laughs> no, you know, you know you're, 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 you're not talking about it. We're moving on to. Uh, we're moving on to Friday night's games, starting with Montreal at Toronto. Uh, we've already released our pred, so there's no suspense. Uh, Matt and Tyler, you guys are taking Toronto as long along with Pete, who's taking Toronto. I'm going out on my own. I think the Alouettes are going to get it done. I think Toronto dealing with a lot of injuries, coming off a game where a committed rushing attack did them in. I think the Owls give the ball to William Stanback. I cross my fingers that Vernon <laughs> that Adams' decision-making and accuracy improves. Bold uh, but I think that, you know, again, Toronto at home, do they just prove me wrong? But I think the Owls get this one done. 
Yeah, I just I just can't. There's six games in, three losses on the road, three wins at home for Toronto. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just stick with the formula. <laughs> I get it. I don't. I can't knock that. Yeah, seeing that um, Mwamba, uh Law, and who am I missing? Judge. Judge are out. Um, knowing that if I were to try and beat Montreal, I would do it by um, making uh, Vernon Adams uncomfortable. Losing three guys that are kind of key uh, rushers for for Toronto yep. makes me nervous, um, oh, but I still think that we uh, I, I won't be doing no, that. I, but, yeah, <laughs> oh, no, but no. you have to also consider that the but, VA had a pretty. Cl- I feel like he had a pretty clean pocket during his game. I think the the O line for the Alouettes was actually blocking very well, which showed standbacks running. I also think they're pass blocking well. A lot of the bad throws he made were simply into people who weren't open or just blatant misses. Yeah, I, I still think uh, Toronto takes this one home. I guess we should also talk that uh, Nick Arbuckle uh, won't now, be playing. MBT time. So, but so I mean, th- there's Antonio plenty. Pipkin as the backup, the man <laughs> that VA beat out in 2019 in Montreal. Note that there's plenty of space for Montreal to um, to capitalize, but I, I think Toronto is still the uh, the best team in the East. <laughs> That's a big old Is question. Toronto, the best team in the East. <laughs> it seems like they would have to be. Man, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I don't know. I, we got we. Well, it is the twenty third of September. Dane so. Evans led Hamilton team is the best team in the East. A Dane Hamilton, Dane Evans led, led Hamilton. Yeah, um, I think I think Toronto is the best team in the East. That's an interesting. I think I might be with Tyler on that one. <laughs> um. The nightcap, well, right now, the, yeah, night, yeah, the nightcap on Friday, uh, Riders at Lions. Um, who wants to lead this off on their pick? I will. Game. This is the game. This is a Tyler Matt said he's going to lead it off. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. This is the game of the week, is Tyler. Yeah, it is say. the game of the week. That's a fact. And uh, I think, like we talked about, uh, talking about Sketch's game against Toronto. Um, a very similar weakness for Saskatchewan as Montreal. If you can make Cody Fajardo uncomfortable, um, he's perform- not. He hasn't performed as poorly as Vernon Adams when he's uncomfortable, but uh, still some some down performances. And I think BC uh, second or third best defense uh, in the league right now. Them tied with Hamilton, I think. Well, they're they're the they're the. Um... Second ranked passing D and first ranked rushing D. I'm not yeah. sure where they fall overall because so, it all gets complicated. Yeah, so I think they get to Cody Fajardo. I think they uh, keep William Powell. I don't think they'll really stop him. I think he, yeah. he's just too good of a, uh, a running back, but I think they um, stifle him enough to, to take this one. And then, like we talked about, Michael Riley is really playing surgical, and the Scatch defense yes. is not what it used to be. And um, not enough to, to keep old Michael down. I'll pop in here with I'm picking BC uh, along with Peter. Yeah, Michael Riley, last three games. Now, two of these were against Ottawa, bear in mind. But <laughs> 23 of 32, 301 yards. 22 of 26, 319 yards. 21 of 25, 308 yards. That is filthy. He is yeah. questionable for this game. So he it should is, be noted. big Q. Um, uh, but 
if he plays, I like him to have a big one. Scatch is the sixth-ranked uh, pass defense. So I think uh, Riley, if he can have the time. A.C. Leonard is back for the Riders, so uh, he's done arguing with uh, drug sample takers. Um, and so I, I think B.C. takes this one on the back of another ga- big game by uh, Michael Riley. Now, Tyler, defend your boys. <laughs> uh, well, you, well, you just sort of uh, gave me reasons why the sketch defense is struggling. They had four sacks and an interception last week. Uh I think the Scatch D line is going to put some pressure on Michael Riley enough to, enough that he makes maybe a mistake or two, and I think that that they've they've found something with Schaefer Baker here. So um, he's a player I, for I, sure. Yeah, I I think that uh, they keep. I think it's a tight one, but I think that they and Cody was very efficient against uh, in the first game out against BC. Had a great first half, not so great second half. Um, I think that the O-line of the Riders was kind of issued a, a fatwa uh, in practice after those two games against the Blue Bombers. Uh, and I think that they're they're really focused on, you know, running the ball more and, and protecting Cody. Cody's got to protect himself. I'm also aware of that. I have something but, to say, about, say that. about that. Yeah, so uh, I, I, think that the, I think that the Scatch O-line holds, gives them enough time to throw, and, the, and they run the ball well enough to – but I think it's a high-scoring game. Uh, I'm seeing I'm seeing both teams, you know, potentially in the 30s. The there's an old football term, sports term, ready to run through a brick wall. I seems Cody Fajardo takes that literally and almost as a requirement for the game. The man seeks out contact like it is his job. Well, you know, Catholics hate protection, right? It's uh, an interesting point. <laughs> but please, Cody. <laughs> slide, protect yourself. The O-line can only do so much if you're going to run around willy-nilly and expose your body to hits. I, this is how many games in a row where he's taken a hit I thought was going to get him out of the game. But you know you know he's going to run for a minimum 40 yards and probably Absolutely. a touchdown. Because he's, he's an absolute madman. Uh, but unfortunately, he's going to lose. He play, I do I do have to do appreciate the fact that he plays so, the game almost like a 14-year-old that plays like NCAA like playing NCAA football like 08. I think that I would also like him to value his health a tick more. A, a tick more. Here for a good time, not for a long time. Go get it, Cody. I, I guess. I do, I do, I will say that they are a really, really fun team to watch, and it's clear that they're like Cody's having a ton of fun. It's clear that all the the guys um, are rallied around Cody, and that that they are a team yeah. in the the true sense of the word. I just don't think they're going to be able to get it done against BC. Yeah, I, I I will say I didn't think BC. I thought BC. We were overrating them for a little bit. Uh, I I'll hand up. I was wrong. They're very good. Um. So. We're doing something a little different this week. Although it is technically CFL Week 9, because we record on Tuesdays, we are going to pred the Edmonton at Ottawa game happening next Tuesday. Um, If you've seen our Twitter, at Shups and Preds, you know that everybody is going with the Elks in this one. Um, But this game could be interesting. Yeah. Do you think think we see Duck Hodges by this point for Ottawa? I think, you know, (laughs) it's... It's tough to say that they, I, you know, I want to say, do they make a lot of changes this week? But they had a 10-day bye week and made no changes. So I'm not sure how many changes they're going to make over six days. But question, I, The question is, does, is, is Edmonton going to be able to avenge that loss? You know, they're going to have to retool yeah. after, after that game. I, I, th- I, I mean, I think you have 
Ottawa <laughs> is the eighth-ranked passing defense. Winnipeg being number one, so a much easier night, it would seem, for Cornelius. I think there's no guarantees, and Ottawa slops them up with the best of them. That defense does go out there and play and plays hard. But you just would really hope from the Elks' perspective. If they lose this one, that would really be a shame. So if they, if they lose this one, their season is over. You... Do, you, do you think that there's... You know, if you were to just percentage-wise, you know, with that winning percentage or winning chance percentage, whatever, what do you put it out for the Elks in this? I think it's probably at like eighty-five percent. I think that's. I think that's a little. I think that's a little high. What would you put it at? I it's, considering it's an. I mean, I don't know. This, this doesn't mean much. Game. It's it's a road game. Second but start. The, but they have a, Edmonton has a lot of days off coming into it, so they're going to be rested. I think they should be. Prepared. I think it's 70%. 70%. Matt, what about you? Yeah, I was going to I I was going to say 60. Well, don't bring that bad know. energy in here. Uh, which which that's what, this is a binary that's what choice, though, that's right? what so. immediately Yes. That's what immediately came to me, but I think 70 70 75 is probably closer what's what's the reality. I think 80 is um Yeah, it's just a uh Edmonton team that hasn't got it going in the air with Trevor Harris and now has a new quarterback inexperienced through three interceptions in his first starting outing. Um, and not, I mean, like this, I would say, is Edmonton's yes. game to lose. Do you know what La Police said about De- 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 Devlin Hodges? Please lower your expectations. <laughs> I did see that. Yeah, so I, I would say this is Edmonton's game to lose, and I think Edmonton right now is the no, maybe no. I think Edmonton is the lose only team off. that could maybe get me to like predict. All Ottawa. right, we have talked. I'm, like, that I really, is the worst I really, thing I've heard all day. <laughs> no, you are right. Who, but I who don't else? Face that who reality. else? Who else is who, most likely to lose to Ottawa? It has to be Edmonton. I will yeah. pick. I will pick Ottawa if Devlin Hodges starts. <laughs> okay, if he doesn't okay. start, I, my pick is, remains. But if, if Devlin Hodges is named the starter for the game, I will pick Ottawa. All right. Well, there you heard it here first. Um, let's go. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I won't be yeah. preting Ottawa until they win. They're in a. a they're squarely in the. This is where it's fun to be in the lead uh, in the preds, like. Uh, Call yeah, him. I'll take a contingent but... pick based on Hodges starting. That's the only way I'm yeah. pretty. Not if he comes in the game later. I yeah. and the pick is Hodges starts. I pick Ottawa. If he doesn't, I'm not. Okay. Here is what's crazy about this season so far, though. So let's say Ottawa wins this week, Montreal loses. That would put Ottawa only a single loss, so half a point behind Montreal, and they would be. And they would, you would, let's say, Edmonton and Calgary both have two losses. So Ottawa would still be in the driver's seat for that third uh, playoff position in the East. So this, this, we're moving towards the second half of the season. It is going to get absolutely wacky in terms of uh, playoff scenario. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, We're going to do league leaders before Matt gives us a rundown on fantasy. Passing yards, Zach Caleros. Uh, 1,731 passing yards. Rushing yards, of course, who else? 
James Wilder. Yeah, but the, that gap is pretty narrow. It is narrow. 499. Yeah, William Stanback is on the hunt, only 14 behind. Um, receiving yards, Lucky Whitehead bumping up to 554 receiving yards, leading the league. So, Matt, give us a fantasy rundown. All right, fantasy rundown behind a charging Lucky Whitehead with 25.4 points um, was uh, Tyler, 86.1. Kyron Moore was the only player for Tyler in in single digit. That includes the Saskatchewan defense, which had 11 points. So um, uh, a really, yeah, really solid uh, week for Tyler. I was right behind him at 80.6. Um, some challenges for me was Brian Burnham, uh, and Kamar Jordan, uh, Kamar Jordan got pulled. Brian Burnham is dealing with some sort of injury, which kept him, um, kept him down. They only had 4.3 and 6.2 points. Uh, but luckily I had a couple great games out of Nick Arbuckle and William Powell. And my MVP for the week was actually yes. the Winnipeg Good defense <laughs> with their, well, behind, behind two, um, Behind two TDs, one from Adam Big Hill, and I apologize to the uh, the other guy in Winnipeg who scored a pick six. Uh, a little further back at fifty seven point four points was John. Um, if not for two majors from James Wilder, this would have been a really really bad week. Uh, but twenty five point one out of James best Wilder, best running back in the CFL. Saved Do I need him. to say it again. <laughs> Willie Stanback's the best running back in the CFL. Not this week. Uh, actually, a 9.8 point difference. 9.7 point. I, I'm, I'm um, speaking purely from a... Okay, 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 all right. <laughs> okay, okay. Tell us uh, how Peter then, did. <laughs> Peter oh, Peter did also great. is picking the Elks. Although he had uh, a great game out of Michael Riley, 23.6 points, you know, that huge 300-yard game. Um, Shaq Cooper uh, did not play, injured again. Uh, his replacement, James Butler, did score a yes. TD. So that's a missed opportunity for Peter. Uh, Josh Huff, it was, was a down game from Bo Levi. Um, so Josh Huff only had three points. So Peter was at the very bottom, uh, back in the basement with 56, and lost some ground trying to get back to uh, within 100 points of John. So overall, the... Um, <laughs> the the battle to are... get within a hundred points. Dude, yes, it, ra- it rages on. <laughs> well, and like this week, oh my god, it's so frustrating. Will Peter always be in the in the in the fantasy basement just every year? Is that is that like almost a guarantee that Peter ends up in the basement? I think Seems it's like no it. secret that I am. I help Peter with his fantasy. I'll bounce ideas <laughs> off of him. He, you can lead a horse to water. <laughs> I will say to him, I'll give him a text. Hey, man, you know, I would really consider starting X player. And he'll be like, great, let me do that. I check the starting lineups on Saturday. No change. No change. But this week, God, already, I've, already, I've had four players play um, who performed in last night's game. Uh, in my Ham- Hamilton defense, 18 points against Ottawa. But, God, STE only 4.8 points, RJ Harris 4.5, and Tim White 7.8. I'm not looking good for a Week 8 fantasy. Uh, no. no. So, big <laughs> we'll play PA. Turns out. Come on, buddy. 
I think I think uh, I'm in for I think I'm in for a good week of fantasy. I yeah, think I you think. have your team is the least affected by the three game week this time around. For, for sure. sure. Uh, all right. So overall, I am still holding on to a, a slim lead, five hundred and eleven point six points, uh, nipping at my heels. Tyler at 494.2. John slipped a great deal, slipped uh, 24 some odd points. So he's back at 554.1. And Peter, way, 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 way back, 352.3. So. Okay, question. Um, if we, if yeah. we doubled Peter's points today, do you think he would still win? What does that mean? You mean like if you gave him, so he would have if, basically 700 points? You think you think he'd still finish in first? If Peter had seven hundred, if he had seven hundred points and was leading Matt by one ninety, Matt would beat him by the end of the year. So my prediction, based on uh, average scores, it works in standard deviation. Um, the my low estimate for if I if the rest of my weeks are at my lowest you know, average yeah. score and one standard deviation is 50 points higher than Peter's high estimate. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. This is why you don't <laughs> skip tapings also, I want to add, because people will talk shit about you behind your back. Peter. I would say this to his face. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. Uh, yeah. Well, I will say that based on Tyler's volatility, he does have the highest high estimate. Um, but do I have like but, the, third, the the second lowest low estimate? Uh, the yes, you do. Yeah. So the middle and low estimates are um, the same. So me, then Tyler, then John, then Peter. Um, but Tyler's volatility could push him uh, over the edge. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, fantasy fantasy's heating up. We're about to be halfway through. It's pretty uh, pretty oh, crazy. Is getting crazy. I wonder um, if I wonder if any of us will, will. I wonder if anybody will break a thousand in fantasy. I think so. I think. Yeah, I mean, I we're Matt uh, is likely to break a thousand. Well, the three of us are all estimated based on our averages to break a thousand. Peter, not. So Thanks. we're just running out of time now, so not going to be able to do listener feedback this week. Hopefully we'll be able to get to that next week. Remember to send your DMs to at Shups and Preds on Twitter or email us, shupsandpreds at gmail.com. We will answer literally any question so long as we have the time to do yeah, so. Yeah, ladies. Also, John is single. So any ladies out there listening to the pod, you know. This is true. Just, uh, you, got a, you got a question for John or anything, you know, just let him know. We'll be back next week. We may be recording during the middle of the uh, Edmonton ottawa game so that might be a little fun be fun uh but we will talk to y'all next week um have a good one and talk to you soon bye bye, -bye. peace